0: Hello and welcome to another fantastic podcast, um, Chats Under the Cherry Tree, with Lucy McRobert. Hello. Hello Lucy, it's really good to see you. It's lovely to be here. Um, so, why are you here? Who are you? <laughs> well, I'm one of your authors.
1: Yay! Woo! And I have a book coming out next year, 2024, yes. yeah. I think February, March time.
0: Love this, we say that's spring. That's spring. It keeps it really vague for us in publishing. Thank you for that. <laughs>
1: it's spring. Coming out in spring 2024 called Blue's Planet. Yeah. And so what
0: possessed you to write this book? Well, Which is stunning, by the way.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm going to say that that's the illustrator, who was absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about a little girl who loves nature and gets the opportunity to go around the world with her parents and about all the different challenges she faces. So this book's set in Australia. And it's set at the time of the wildfires um, in Christmas, what was that, 2019, 2020, when they hit the headlines and it felt like all of Australia was burning and there was loads of really horrible things going on in Australia at that time. So I use that as the inspiration for Blue's story and the kind of things that she confronts, the amazing wildlife that she sees, the people that she meets. So it's just this wonderful tale of her first travels with her parents and yeah the different animals she sees and how essentially she goes on it feels like she saves Australia at the end of it but not quite not quite
0: but also we love the fact that the main character starts in Leicester yes which we love absolutely so the thing that uh, people who listen want to know is how did you become an author when did you identify (laughs) you wanted to become an author and how did you get published it's the (laughs) hardest thing ever
1: so I actually decided I wanted to be an author when I was a kid. You know, when you do those awful tests at school? Yes. And it's like, what could you do? And it's like train driver or something really random. And mine came back and said, well, you probably could be an author. That's
0: amazing. It,
1: it was cool. I was like, okay, I'm going to take that really seriously and not the train driver. And <laughs> I, I go on there, And I always said I wanted to be a published author before the, I hit the age of 30. And I had a nonfiction published uh, when I was 28, which With was very a- exciting, too. thank yeah. you. Um, then I got chatting to your amazing team and they said, would you be interested in children's fiction, which is very different to nonfiction. Oh, trying to get inside the head of a nine to 12 year old is yes. a challenge. Uh, but it was really, really fun. Um, I'm very lucky that I have an agent down in London who I've met once of the online world yeah. Uh, but yeah we worked together and I worked with Kelly who the amazing editor to come up with the storyline and to create the characters she was amazing at kind of steering the story and what needed to happen and the pace and everything else um, absolutely tore the first manuscript apart which I think left me crying for about two weeks. But everything (laughs) that she said was completely correct. And the book that's come out of it at the end is a hundred times better than anything I ever thought I could do when I was like eight Mm. or nine years old. And everyone that I've kind of shown it to, they've gone, oh, wow, that's actually like a proper book. I'm like, yes, I know it's a proper
0: book. Because I'm a proper novel.
1: Yeah, thank you. I did actually write
0: it. So one of the things that I liked about this story is you didn't submit a manuscript, is that correct? Like the idea came from sweet cherry
1: yep the idea came from sweet cherry uh, the title came mm-hmm. from sweet cherry and the idea of it being a little girl called blue and roughly how old she was but then I was very lucky that I got to kind of fill in the imagination gaps yes. uh, I had to submit a couple of chapters uh, which were the first two which is actually really hard to do yes. because I knew the book was going to be set in Australia but the first two chapters are set in Leicester yes. so it's like how do I convince this amazing publisher to take me for an Australia based book on the grounds of something that's going on in Leicester. Yeah. So that was really challenging. Um, and how do I get across this little girl's love of nature and wildlife? Like She's going to be rescuing koalas and mm. snakes and wombats. Like I've got to make this about hedgehogs and foxes in the first instance. So yes. that was really fun though. Yeah. And I'm from near Leicester anyway, I grew up in Market Bosworth. Perfect. So it was really easy to talk about the places and yeah. lovely to actually showcase Leicester as a city that is actually really good for nature as well. Cause it's, not something people assume, but actually there's loads of green spaces and it was great to be able to talk about those. Um, I have
0: foxes in my backyard so I can vouch. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> so jealous. So how did you get into the mind of this nine-year-old?
1: Um, essentially, trying to talk to as many people as possible like who've got kids that age. So I think all of my nieces and nephews are age 10 now, yes. which is really handy. Yeah. Uh, so talking to them lots about the kind of books that they read and trying to think about what I read when I was... Nine, ten years old. And what were those characters like? What were those stories like? How dramatic were they? Because that's one thing that really, really took me by surprise was when you're trying to pace a story for a child Mm -hmm. about how exciting it has to be and how dramatic it has to be. To keep their interest going, and if you, I was thinking about the books that I loved and how dramatic they were, and I was thinking how like all of these characters must have PTSD by the time they're like on <laughs> chapter three. Yes. But it was really exciting to think about that and actually yeah. be able to be creative because adult nonfiction. Yeah. It's not the most creative. Yeah. So trying to find the. So how story did you rein yourself
0: to... in and not go too far?
1: By <laughs> basing as much of it on facts as possible. Yeah. So the main story. Or the main thing that happens is about a koala rescue that happens mm-hmm. in New South Wales in the Blue Mountains. And it's based entirely on a true story. Uh, when the fires went across the Blue Mountains, uh, this charity was tracking five populations of koalas and they were like the last remaining healthy populations of koalas that were free of disease. And four of them got taken out mm. by, um, by the fires. And there was one population left. And the charity went in just ahead of the fire and got them out. Mm. So it's, it's the story is completely true. The charity is an amazing charity. Yeah. And finding those stories and things that had really happened and using them to inform the storyline and to, to make it about what Blue was doing, the kinds of people she was meeting, the kinds of yeah. heroes in the wildlife world that were involved in this. It was really nice to find those and then tell them through the eyes of like a 12 year old. It was great. So it sounds like there was a
0: lot of research
1: there was a lot of research I think in a kind of year-long process of writing Mm. the book I would say 11 months of that was research and one month of that was writing and I just hammered it as soon as I got the laptop in front of me I'd go for a run in the morning and I'd think about what the next chapter was going to be while I was running and I got home I just wrote it
0: that is incredible
1: it it was very intense I don't think anyone liked me
0: into a routine yep Did you set out the storyline beforehand? Did you and Kelly work together and go, here's what chapter one needs to cover, chapter two? Or did you have a free reign over that?
1: It was quite free reign. So we had like a synopsis, but not a chapter breakdown. So it wasn't as rigid as kind of saying, chapter one does this, chapter two does this. By chapter four, she has to be in Australia. Uh, Kelly was really good at giving me like the pacing advice up front. And it was little things because, so I grew up as an only child, essentially. Mm -hmm. I've got a brother and sister, but they're much older than me. So all of my holidays were on my own, and I spent quite a lot of time on my own growing up, just the way it was, and it was fine. And Kelly's like, "Why are there no other children in this story? Yes. Like, you need more children." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's because <laughs> whenever I went on holiday, like, you I, were just, on your own. Yeah, I just yeah, it's kind of did things on my own. And that was fine." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh wow, she's right." And the way that she reflected those things back to me early mm-hmm. on was really good. Yeah. And so I've just written the second book now, yes. and that's the feedback she gave me for the first book was invaluable and making mm. sure, right, I need this to happen much earlier on, or I need to make sure there's another child in there much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, me to make sure that there's lots of dialogue with Blue and this other child, so we're getting different aspects. So yeah. a really fun part of it was actually stepping away from the wildlife and looking at the culture, the food, the clothing, stuff like that. That's really cool. And the places and describing these landscapes and so the Blue Mountains is just stunning. Yeah. I think I just spent days watching YouTube videos Oh, I like, love that. Of all the different places yeah. and staring at maps. I mean, your lovely designer absolutely hates me for these complicated maps that I drew on the back of bits of paper. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, is this right? I'm like, no, this goes here and this goes here. Yeah. And here's a zoom in on Google Maps. I think she absolutely hated me. No,
0: I think but... she loves the charming. <laughs> she's very creative, so she'll love it. So um, fiction versus nonfiction. Mm-hmm. What's better?
1: It's very different. Right? Oh, it's very different. So nonfiction, I found the editorial process was basically, they took the manuscript off me.
0: Yeah.
1: Sent me a load of track changes and said, can you please accept all, say yes and send it back? Yeah. So <laughs> the editorial process took about half an hour yeah. for a nonfiction book that was longer. It was about 85,000 words that Whoa. one. And it took me half an hour to edit it and send yeah. it back and go, yep, we're all good to go. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and this kind of saying, oh no, that was the first manuscript. We've got at least four more of these to go. I was like, oh wow. I thought I'd kind of broken the back of this book by writing yeah. it. No, 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 writing it is the first thing you yes. do in a very long list of things that then need to happen. And yeah. that was a big, it was a big shock actually. Yeah. That I wasn't quite prepared for that process. But then comparing what I first sent in with the book Rick now in front out. of me, yeah. it's like wow, that was so that was such a good process to go through, and I learned so much, and like learning how to take feedback on board without being offended by it. Realizing it is the first time you've written children's fiction, and no one expects it to be perfect first mm-hmm. time round, yeah. and you're not a kind of best-selling author, so and yet yet obviously like <laughs> and that high expectation you have of yourself and then realizing, oh no, it's fine. Like JK Rowling went through this as well when she did her first book, like it's fine. She went through an editorial process as well. So there was a bit of like just chatting to people and then understanding that no no this, this is how it
0: is this is how it is so the way you think about it is whenever somebody picks up an award an author picks up an award they always thank the editor and now you know why yes <laughs> that's a reason absolutely
1: because so they when make it better you
0: wrote the second book or you're writing the second book are you finding it easier
1: I think I am yeah because I understand more about what you guys need mm-hmm. from the book I understand more and there's also can get into the story quicker because yeah. you've already set the characters yeah, and you've already, scene. you set the tone, you set the scene, you're mm. used to writing in this style by yeah. now. So the next book set in <laughs> um, which was even more fun to research than Australia actually, just cause it's- <laughs> You're just traveling. I know. That's and, what you're doing. <laughs> I, I didn't get to go to fortunately, but it's now on my list. But yeah. brilliantly when I was writing it, my best friend was there so, I, and she was where I was setting the book. So I yes. was just messaging her on WhatsApp the whole time. Like, what's it like? Yeah, what's it like? Can yeah. you send me some photos? Can you send me a picture of a menu? Can you... I love this. Yeah, send me some pictures of this place. And it was yeah. it was really, really helpful because I didn't realise that's where she was going. I just yeah. knew that she was going to, like, Asia. Yeah. And she was like, oh, no, I'm in b-, And I'm here. But I was like, that's what I'm writing about right now. <laughs> Can you please tell me... <laughs> FaceTime every-
0: me immediately.
1: Yes, what are people <laughs> eating? And... Yeah. Have you seen an orangutan yet? I love this. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really nice and amazed at how many people had actually been to that wanted to help me. And I had the same with Australia, so I made sure that I went and interviewed like lots of people who had lived there or yes. been there. Um, interviewed an amazing couple whose house had nearly been destroyed in the fires. Yeah. And they like took me outside on FaceTime and showed me the trees that wow. had burnt and all the rest of it. So that was really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they were very, very lucky. And the other really fun part of it actually was my stepsister um, is a teacher in Leicester. Yes. And she let me do little focus groups with people in her class. And I got to talk to lots of different kids, about 20 different kids in total, just to understand like what books they liked and what stories they liked mm-hmm. and what animals they knew about, what they'd want to hear. And one of the kids was so hilarious. He had me in the whole time um, that he ended up with a snake named after him in blue's planet oh, i love this yeah so reuben is a real child because oh. he was just so much fun and he basically was just going on the entire time about how he hated snakes and was terrified mm-hmm. and i was like brilliant reuben you've made it into the book as a snake I love
0: it." <laughs> we'll have to make sure reuben gets <laughs> <laughs> um what other things do you want to do as an author that you haven't had a chance to do yet
1: oh that is a terrifying question. Isn't it? It is, because when you've just finished <laughs> writing something, you think I never want to write anything ever again. I can't even bear to write an email sometimes. Um I definitely want to do some more adult nonfiction type things. Um but I'd also quite like the idea of kind of doing young adult stuff as well. Potentially okay. that kind of bridging gap between the two audiences that I've done so yes. far. But I don't even know if I'd be able to. I got really addicted to kind of readership scales and trying to understand what age group I was writing for and how I was writing and all the rest of it so I was like I think it'd be quite fun to try and do something in the middle
0: so would you like to be given a story to write for a young adult or would you like to come up with your own
1: right now I want to be given a story because my creativity has completely drained away while I've been writing (laughs) and I can't remember the last time I had an original idea or thought yeah.
0: <laughs> so I love that. Right now
1: tell me the idea
0: and I'd love to yeah. do it. Um Cause I'm that's sh- definitely something interesting for you to explore. To yes, you can develop that for yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think some people like have that spark of inspiration when they're writing and it's like the story wants to come out of them. Mm-hmm. For me it wasn't like that. It was that I loved the writing process mm. and I loved creating the story, but I don't think I would have been able to do that unless you guys had come to me with the idea and said, this is the title, this is the idea, this is the concept. That meant that I could write it. If you'd given me a blank piece of paper, I would have been shrugging my shoulders and going, oh no, I don't even know where to start.
0: But that's why this podcast is really important. This is part of a series of podcasts and I don't think this story has ever been told, spoken out loud in publishing because the understanding is the author would bring yeah. um a manuscript to a publisher, and we publish it, but we don't really sp- tell the world that actually we have other ways of working, and <laughs> we might have an idea, and we'd be looking for writers and often when that does happen in publishing um we don't ever credit to the author oh, it's like yeah. an author for higher situations, yeah, so there are a lot of books on the market that um are the publishers idea um, but yeah they never created the author whereas we like to work collaboratively mm-hmm. and see what you do, do with it yeah do with the idea and you definitely add value to it Thank uh, you. you did all the research you did all the work we just thought it would be a great idea to have this or we needed this on our list yeah so you know if you are an author out there who's trying to get published It's really hard because you've got a product that you're trying to sell to a publisher. And as a publisher, I'll be on my side thinking, oh, I've already got something like that on my list. So I'm not really looking to buy. So you were really smart because we came to you Mm -hmm. with a a product that we definitely need to have made. And you made it for us. Absolutely.
1: And I just I think that idea of understanding publishers lists and Mm. what the gaps are and what they need, because I know people who've wanted to write books before and they have just peppered every Mm. publisher in the world with whatever email address they can find on the website, going, here, read my manuscript and you're like yeah. I would say researching the publisher and how well that story actually fits with them and Perfect. the kind of things that they're publishing. There's no point yeah. going to a publisher with a story if yes. it's not if it's not a values fit for them or yeah. it's it's not gonna complement what's already on their list or oh, look, there's a story that's really similar that they've just published. They're not going to compete with themselves.
0: Exactly. So
1: understanding that and doing the research on publishing before you even think
0: about submitting a manuscript. It's quite sad for me because we get a lot of manuscripts submitted and they sit in a folder and we take our time, you know, processing Mm -hmm. them. And some people are lucky. So, you know, we talked about Moolah earlier when we were outside (laughs) getting to know each other and that was a manuscript that was submitted. Um... We even have people turning up at the office. This is a true story <laughs> where they will knock on the door and be like, here's a manuscript to have a look at. So it can be different how we receive it. Um, but I like what you said about doing your research. Mm-hmm. You know, every publisher has a list. It's really easy to get a hold of that list. You just look at online and then see, oh, what are they missing? What what do you think they could do with and then be original?
1: yeah. Absolutely. And even just like looking at the covers of books and yeah. looking at their illustrative style yeah. and everything like that. So that's one of the things that I loved about Sweet Cherry was I loved looking at the website and seeing how the books worked yeah. and what they looked like. And I was thinking, well, I, I know that this story that we're working on together is going to look beautiful as well. And it's going to stand out on a yes. shelf. And that's that was really exciting for me to to get that front cover. And I think I just cried when I opened the email. Oh. I actually had to send it to someone else. To check it first because I didn't dare open it, and I oh. said, "Can you just look?" Yeah, and just before I even open the email because I just don't know how I'm going to react, and they looked no. at it for me first, and they're like, "No, no, it's amazing, <laughs> it's fine." And I was like, "Okay, right," and I kind of had to have like this a glass of wine and build myself up to opening it and then I opened it and I think I just cried because it was just so beautiful and all of the illustrations but
0: don't you appreciate how different it looks to the rest of our list
1: yes right Uh, but it complements it it,
0: though 100% it complements it it's exactly what we need but I I just love what the team have done because like you when I open it I just go wow that's actually super clever yeah it's very different to anything that we've done Um, I don't know they just personalise it Perfectly.
1: It's also, I mean, I'm a wildlife snob. I like things being correct. I will sit there watching David Attenborough (laughs) films going, that's the incorrect bird song, or you got that fact wrong, or nope, that's not the correct species. Like, I am brutal with that kind of thing. So I loved going through it and being like, oh my goodness, you've drawn a field fair. The way that a field fair actually looks it's yes. not kind of overly stylized or you've not taken a species from somewhere else in the world and just shoved it on like all the species are really accurate yes and i was so impressed at that there wasn't a single one that i was expecting to kind of go through and be like that's the wrong species or no no that species doesn't occur in the uk or yes. no that species doesn't occur in australia and there was nothing it was flawless and i don't think in any magazine or anything else i've ever experienced that before i was like yeah. oh they were good. That was that was like really... Well, they
0: were really happy to know that they've, um, you know, got it right.
1: Oh, so right. Like, <laughs> it, it was brilliant. And one of my favourite illustrations in there is uh, blues down on the pavement and there's a field fair up in the tree. Yes. And to me, that is like one of the signs of autumn is seeing those birds coming yes. through because they arrive here in the autumn and spend the winter here. And there's loads of them now. And mm-hmm. they kind of go check, 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 chak And fly around over like even like industrial estates and things because they eat berries and the way that that picture has been interpreted from the text is literally perfect it's exactly what I had in my head
0: brilliant how
1: was this illustrator who I've never met before like got inside my head and taken that image and and put it on paper it just absolutely blew my mind so you
0: didn't brief the illustrator you didn't participate in the discussions to brief
1: nope that was I assume Kelly and the team
0: yeah that'll be Kelly and Sophie yep
1: and it was incredible
0: so to tell people, Kelly was the lead um, editor on this, who yep. helped you. And then Sophie was the lead designer. Yes. Just so that people know who everybody is. Um, Out of the whole experience, if you could pass on one takeaway to our listeners, what would it be?
1: I would say don't take feedback personally. That would be... brilliant. <laughs> the, the main thing is it is really hard. Yeah. Because it, it kind of takes you back to... Going to primary school, and they're being a teacher with a big red pen, going, No, you got that wrong, you got that wrong, you got that wrong, mm. and feeling like, Oh my goodness, I'm sitting in an exam and I've just failed. Like, I failed. This is awful. Oh my goodness, they're never going to want to accept any writing from me ever again. I can't write. Why did I think mm-hmm. I could do this? And actually, then taking a step back and going, No, this isn't actually about me. This isn't a reflection on me. This is someone who genuinely knows more than me about a book and about a situation and about publishing who was trying to help me mm-hmm. make this the best it can be Yeah. and I learned so much about my writing style and my writing process from not taking that feedback personally and it Kids. is hard and I would say that to anyone even if you're submitting a manuscript or something I think if you've got the idea in your head and mm-hmm. you've said this is an amazing story that I have to tell any publisher is going to want to add to it any publisher exactly. is going to want to make changes yeah. they're going to be able to make it better and I wonder how many authors... Don't get their stories published Mm -hmm. because they don't want to take on board the feedback.
0: Yeah,
1: And actually do take it on board. It's really good. Don't take it personally. Everyone's trying to help you tell the best story and they will help you, but you have to let them. Definitely,
0: yes. So as a publisher, that's what we're looking for is we're always looking for, because, you know, there's a lot of stories out there. So we want to do something a bit different, a bit special. um, And it doesn't matter how it comes to us. Yeah. You know, as long as the story is brilliant, we'll make sure that it gets out. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Thank you so much for speaking to everybody. Thank and you. And telling them about your experience.
1: It's a lovely office. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You did so well. It's really good <laughs> meeting you.
1: Oh, lovely to meet you too.